welcome to this week's Tell Me About the Podcast. This week, Dad chats about taking a salary from your startup and why this may not always be the best bet. We hope you enjoy. Hi, Dad. Hey, Beth. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. How are you? Very well, thank you very much. How's your week been? Yeah, it's been an interesting week. Over in our uh, business in Florida, we came across a competitor who was saying bad things about our little business clear to sell on their website. Luckily, of course, that business involves numerous attorneys of all different um, specialties and um, our litigation people were able to get straight onto it and uh, we've uh, um, filed suit against said individual to see if we can make sure that there's no repetition of these false claims that are being made against us but it's really interesting how easy it is to not focus on such things and allow your own reputation to be tarnished without you really knowing anything about it. Mm. We have people whose job it is to spend several hours a month putting in all sorts of different Google inquiries to try and find competitors, new or existing, who are doing something different in how they're promoting their services and along the way double-checking that nobody is misrepresenting the services that our company provides. And as I say in many aspects of business, the easiest thing to get is a reputation as a soft touch. And if you find this stuff and you don't take action, you're just going to get crushed by the competition. So you have to stand up for yourself when you find it. So that's been interesting. Yeah. Um, we've been exploring um, OpenAI's chat GPT this week, working with a small team on both in the, um, the American business and in our nursery business here in the UK, but how we can use that for particularly for live chat. So instant response chat 24-7. Tests are very encouraging, especially with some of the highly technical legal nature of our services we provide in the US. Chat GPT seems to have a pretty good handle on those uh, those unique aspects and technical features um, so that's interesting and I think we're going to go live with um, with chat GPT on the websites of both clear to sell and first friends um, other than that I've been exploring a little bit of time blocking this is time management stuff something I used to use when I was perhaps a lot busier than I am these days um, but I find myself with a burgeoning to-do list on some fronts, not on all, but on some fronts, and time blocking, so allocating an amount of time, broadly speaking, as far as possible, the same amount of time each week for a particular responsibility that I have, and then to subset my to-do list into those things that fit within that responsibility and prioritise those and get those done, and then at the end of that block of time, move on to something else. And um, that's been helping me get through uh, a long list of things that have built up on me just recently that I need to get back on top of again. I suppose lastly, it's been a sunny week, hasn't it? So the garden has popped nicely, lots of spring colour in the garden, and the opportunity to get out, especially since the clock sprang forward as well a couple of weeks ago, to uh, get out in the early evenings and get some work done in the gardens, which is much needed this time of year if we're going to get a decent show through the summer. How about you? What's your week been like? Well, obviously, I've been working and enjoying that sun. Lots of long walks by the river. My uh, The office that I currently work has in Chiswick near the River Thames. So in, at lunch times, we've been walking along, occasionally falling into a pub for a glass of wine as well. That fuels the artistic uh, <laughs> streak, does it? Yeah. But otherwise, yeah, just we're, I'm getting married in two weeks. So last minute admin, paying everyone that needs to be paid. 
and making sure everyone knows what I need them to be doing on the day. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm only on page 26 of my Father of the Bride speech. You'd be <laughs> pleased to know. But yeah, so not much. We um, managed to get a lot of it done, so we've just been enjoying the build up to Easter this weekend and then um, my birthday next weekend and then the wedding. All happening, isn't it? Lovely period of time, lovely time of year for it all to be happening as well. It can rain for the next two weeks and then not on our wedding day, it'll be great. <laughs> okay, so we've talked about entity types and the business basics. So now I've selected how I'm going to start up as a, probably in my case, a sole trader. And I have my business basics in place. And then I start marketing, selling my service, winning orders and delivering. How do I take money out of the startup to replace my own salary? Yep, I think this is the $64,000 question for uh, many uh, a young entrepreneur particularly um, and those aspiring to working for themselves. Let's, uh, let's have a quick canter through all the different ways that you can take money out of your company. But let me first say that you will be paid by the profits of your company. If you're not making profits, there isn't anything in there that can really pay you um, an income. We'll touch on that in a bit more detail, but let's look at these things. Oh, the other thing I probably should say now is the expectation has to be that your income is likely to fluctuate. It's probably going to be more one month, less another month. It might not be anything one month, and then it might be a substantial amount. And the timing um, is going to be irregular as well, as, as mentioned there. Let's look first of all at salary. One has probably been used to receiving a salary. What does a salary mean for a startup company? Well, first of all, to be paid a salary, you're going to have to have a payroll. And a payroll will require, again, bookkeeping, skills and experience to administer. If you're going to set yourself a given salary that you must have every month out of your startup, you're going to become the burden on your startup because it's now got to pay you before it can potentially do other things. And as I mentioned above, you should really be only paying yourself out of the profits of your startup. Also, if you choose to be a salaried uh, employee of your startup, shall we say, then the startup itself, the business itself, will pay tax on your salary. So it's certainly in the UK, there's a thing called national insurance. I know in the, the United States, there's workers' comp. Um, so if, if you're being paid um, an amount of money through the salary, the company will probably pay somewhere between 10 and 15% of that. That salary as additional tax that the employer has to pay as well as all the tax that's deducted from your pay and you pay as well. So if you choose to be paid by salary from your startup, you are that burden. An alternative would be for you to take a distribution from your startup as and when profits allow. So when the startup does well, you do well. But if the startup isn't doing so well, you're not a burden on it. It's a, this is where the risk and reward piece comes in. If you're prepared to take the risk of starting up, then the reward should come, but it may not be in the timescales that you require. So business planning is essential, that financial planning we've been through in some detail. All essential stuff for you to know when profits are likely to arise and when you are then able to take money out of your startup. Distributions from your startup would then be taxed as self-assessment income. So we're back to the idea as a sole trader, let's say, of having a once a year tax return to make and a once or twice a year tax amount to pay, as opposed to the payment as you go situation should you choose to do the salary route through payroll. 
similar to distributions if you have decided to use a limited company then here you would pay dividends potentially out of your limited company again where profits are retained so you make a profit within your limited company you pay corporation tax on that profit what's left is then retained in the company and as long as there's a positive position of retained profits you can choose to distribute that to the shareholders of the company and that taxation would be again self-assessment taxation based upon dividend rates which are slightly different to self-assessment income rates. Benefits are an important way to think about taking money out of your startup. Pension contributions can be made very tax efficiently by your business into your pension for your long-term financial security. Beware that certain benefits that you might think you'll have your company pay for can be considered here in the UK as benefits in kind. Uh, Company cars are very expensive to run now in terms of the taxation on the company and on the uh, beneficiary of the company car. Healthcare insurance, again, will be taxed as if it were income. It's classed as a benefiting kind. Unhelpfully, in the United States, all these things are free for all. Your health, your IRA, as they call their pension schemes, your company car are all fully deductible in the US still, as I understand it. And the UK is lagging behind now in these regards. But pension benefit is certainly one to look strongly at. Expenses. Make sure that you put everything through your startup that is legitimately a business expense that you incur on its behalf. You made the point earlier on in a separate episode, Beth, where we were talking about picking up some basic training in financial management of your startup and that that would be a deductible expense. So that's perfectly true. And so every time you know, if you're using your own car, keep your miles, make your mileage claims on your company. That's cash back to you that's tax-free and it's expenses on your company that are to your benefit and therefore reduce reducing the taxation that your company may well be required to pay. So make sure you're aware of everything you can properly claim as an expense and make those claims to defray your own costs. And then I suppose finally there's the capital gains issue. Again, you, you touched on that when you asked me a question about exit strategies in an earlier episode. But again, when you come to sell um, all or part of your business, if you're selling the shares, then that's cash that will come to you for the sale of your business. If you're selling the shares in, in a limited company. But if you're not a limited company, then you'll be selling the assets. Um, and that's, again, cash that comes to you. But as we touched on earlier on, there's a difference in the taxation rules relating to whether you're selling the shares in the company and the circumstances of that sale and whether you're just selling goodwill and assets and work in progress, etc., from a sole trader position. So just in summary, um, how do you get your money out? Well, you've just got to realize that until the company makes money you're unlikely to be able to make money I don't recommend salary because you'll become that burden distributions or dividends are the best way to go make sure that you maximize the benefits that your startup could be paying for you make sure you maximize your expense reclaims as well and ultimately think about capital gains instead of regular income as a way of making ends meet so that seems a bit tough when, for example, you're saying that you shouldn't be a burden on your startup and wait and not take the salary and whatever. But if you have a mortgage, a car to run, nursery fees to pay, whatever, how, like it just seems a bit difficult unless you have some, like unless you have a partner with a solid salary that can help you both through. Yep, nothing about starting up a business is uh, is is easy. I hope we've we've never given that indication, and sacrifices may well need to be made to uh, get through the 
startup phase to fulfill your entrepreneurial dreams. I do think proper planning, I think lots of the stuff we've talked about in earlier episodes gets you to a point when you start up of if it is going to be tough, it's vi- you have visibility of how tough it's going to be and you get a chance to make alternative arrangements to get you through that period. But I'm an optimist and I'm a firm believer in, in entrepreneurs. If they've come as far as getting to their startup, then in my book, they should be in the best position possible to make it all work. If they've got their business basics in place, if their idea is well thought out, well researched, their business plan is clear and they stick to it. They've planned, they've fixed and they're doing their business plan. If they've got a good balance between working in their business, generating income, controlling costs, innovating, thinking about the strategy and then working on it, bringing forward cash flow, monitoring everything, looking for the next great thing, the next great contract for them to do. They've got all of those in place and they're sharing their time appropriately across all those things. Profits will follow and their income will follow. And there is an element at which you get to in your entrepreneurial journey where you've got to trust the process. Yeah. And where there's a will, there's a way, I guess. Yeah. As they say. Yep. I've got a couple more questions that have been um, sent in, if you don't mind answering them, Dad. Um, Do my best. The first one is, I am currently setting up a business as a sole trader. I need to give a business address, but at the moment I am working from my spare room and don't want my home address to be public knowledge on the internet slash company's house. What are my options? Um, interesting. So first of all, company's house will not be involved unless you are establishing a limited company or a limited liability partnership. So as a sole trader, you'll have nothing to do with company's house because there isn't a separate entity that you're creating for which you will be responsible. Um, I refer back to our episode relating to types of entities where we compared and contrasted uh, sole trader with limited liability partnership, general partnership, and limited company etc. Um, so that shouldn't be a worry that you won't be appearing as you, if you register as a sole trader on any public available lists, particularly at Companies House. Now, you do have to register with HMRC as a sole trader because you're going to be working, earning income that is going to be the subject of self-assessment tax going forward. I believe you have three months here in the UK within which you can register with HMRC from the first point of your trading. But my recommendation is that you you register with HMRC the moment you decide that you're going to be self-employed as a sole trader. Now, you do have to provide an address, as I understand it, to HMRC, but those records are not in the public domain. They link back to your tax records records which themselves are not and will never be in the public domain certainly as far as we can see at the moment. Now if you imagine that your business is going to come quickly out of the blocks at a turnover of about £83,000 or more per annum or the the quarterly equivalent, you are going to have to give serious consideration to and may be forced to register for VAT. And if you have a VAT registration, then again, per se, your address is not in the public domain. But once people have got your VAT registration, it is possible to look up your business and its address through the VAT registration. So you can't see, to the best of my knowledge, a list on the internet of all VAT registrations. But with a VAT number, you can find the details associated with that individual. 
individual registration. If you really don't want to include your home address in those areas, which I believe to be reasonably safe, then consider a virtual office address um, or a business centre as an address. Um, do make sure that you uh, expense any costs relating to that within your business. That's a legitimate tax deductible expense to establish a, a, a virtual office address, but it has to be a physical real address. I don't believe it can be a PO box on its own. It has to be linked to something tangible, uh, bricks and mortar with an address itself. If we go back a few years, accountants and solicitors used to offer the service of hosting registered offices or uh, allowing their own offices to be the trading address of their clients. I think in large part they've gone away from that because it's more trouble than it's worth and they will charge you significantly for such a service. So I don't recommend talking with your professional advisors to assist in this way. Finally, I think you do need to have that trading address for contracting with your customers regardless of um, how simple or complex the provision of your service or product may be. Um, it's important to have terms and conditions of sale and all uh, conditions of contract uh, between you and your customer. And for that, you will require there to be a physical address that you can include within the, the documentation uh, should you ever need to reinforce its terms. And whether those documents become publicly available on the internet or not depends on who you contract with. If you do business with the public sector, there's every chance that your contracts could be could end up available on the internet. If you're not doing any work with the public sector or related um, uh, industries, um, then you should be okay in that your contracts should always be private and confidential between you and your customer. So in short, don't fear about giving HMRC your home address. That won't be putting it on the internet for all to see, uh, and then take a view on these other matters as they arise. Great, thank you. And then the second question is, do I need to set up as a sole trader from the start of my business, or can I wait until it is up and running? Another interesting question. I believe the answer is that, as I've mentioned in, in answer to a previous question, I think you've got three months from the point at which you decide to or first trade as a sole trader to register with HMRC as being self-employed. But you've got to do that and they can fine you. HMRC can issue fines if it discovers that you've been trading for longer than that three-month grace period before you register with them for self-assessment tax. And that's why they need you to register with them so they know that there is an additional income stream or a replacement income stream that they will be taxing upon you. So to my mind, I think the good practice is to start with a an ambition of something greater than just a little bit of part-time work. That's how it ends up and that's what you're comfortable with, then fine. But do adopt some of the business basics that we've been discussing in our episodes here. I would say that as soon as you anticipate start trading, from the moment that you're going to spend the first pound or receive the first pound of expense or income within your self-employment journey, I would say that you treat yourself as a sole trader, get on and register with HMRC and start keeping your records. Keep your records of your expenses and your income. Uh, we've discussed these again in, in prior episodes and I think there's more to be said on this going forwards as well. It's good practice and as your business grows through its first year, all of that record keeping will be retrospective to the point at which you started trading. It won't be from the point at which you register with HMRC if you take those three months of grace period. So you may as well get on and put those business basics into place from the point at which you spend or receive your first pound of expense or income. Great. Thank you for answering this. 
pleasure so i guess that's it for that episode we just wanted to note that we're going to take a few weeks break because of all of this stuff that we discussed in the intro and yeah we'll be back i guess end of april beginning of may with some more business stuff Mm, yes mrs nicholson by that time as well you'll be so we'll have to change the name on the (laughs) podcasting yeah (laughs) all right bye Thank you for listening to our ninth episode. We hope you enjoyed it. As we mentioned, we'll be taking a short break for all of the celebrations we have coming up over the next few weeks. Keep an eye on Instagram for when we'll be back and go ahead and ask any questions you have in the meantime. Please follow, like, review and head to our Instagram at tellmeaboutpod and our website tellmeaboutpod.com to keep updated. <laughs> <laughs>